Welcome to the Value Script. Hi, Meredith. Hello. How you doing? So fantastic. You look lovely today. Thanks. Yes. You look fantastic. It's a nice color. It brings out coordinates the coordinates well with your. With well, it brings your out shirt. the fuchsia in your eyes. What color is that? <laughs> <laughs> Purple. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I don't know what. That's <laughs> 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 right, All right. All right. So, hey, I want to talk about something, uh, and I've heard this a lot. It's something I want to speak to. I'm kind of passionate about this. And um, it keeps coming up. Your hairdresser, um, when you were there last, uh, talked about some of the cultural issues that she felt like are, are, in, are in church. And um, she happens to actually go to the same church we do. Um, but I, I speak with a lot of my friends that are religious. And I feel like these things happen in a lot of churches and in a lot of really social circles, not necessarily even religious circles but um you want to talk about what her comment was yeah so she's been a member of the church her whole life and um you know, still continues to go but she is she's only 25 but she said it's kind of hard for her because she feels like she should already be married she already feels old she feels like and somehow or, or sometimes that just feels like she doesn't necessarily have a place there and she said one thing that really frustrates her is the culture that we have that we, I think we all do this to some degree or another. We walk into church and we put our happy face on and everything's perfect. Right. And, and let me just tell you, I was the queen of that. Queen of that. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so great. So great. How are you? And inside, I want to crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> in fact, in fact, we would even call when you'd answer the telephone. You know, mothers, they have this inability to be like, go clean your room. I, I swear if you come out too soon, I'm going to make you go back in there. I don't know. Whatever you do. You're ranting. Okay. You're ranting. And then all of a sudden you open the phone. Hello? You have your, your member your perfect, voice. We call it your member voice, right? Because like <laughs> when you go to church, that was the voice you would use. Uh, it was, you know, kind of cliche. But I guess I kind of want to talk about that because that seems to come up a lot. Like, uh, especially uh, in religious circles, I think it is, you know, Jesus in the Bible talks about, um, he commanded us to be perfect. Be therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think... I don't know if this is where this comes from or not, but I think it has something to do with it. When we go to church, a lot of times we want to look as perfect as possible, right? We don't want to look like the guy who's, you know, was out drinking last night because he's medicating because he's having an affair and he's an idiot, right? You don't want to present that guy at church, right? And so, but why not? Really, you know, church isn't for perfect people, right? Church is for the broken to go and to receive healing, yeah. Balm of Gilead. And right? help each other. Right. Help and each other. so it's a perfect place for unperfect people to safely talk about being imperfect and how we can help each other become more perfect and more like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't do that. Right. Why not? It's hard. Well, it's hard. I think it's hard. You know, we kind of touched on it a little bit previously. It's hard sometimes to even admit it to yourself, you know, be retrospective and introspective 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 yes and um and but but there is so much power in just being honest and truthful and vulnerable and we on mother's day we had the best lesson i have ever heard ever at church um the sister it was um 
just given to the women. Um, and she talked about depression and she talked about her own battles with depression and anxiety and how real it was. And, and it wasn't just like, here's all my struggles, but it was tactical of here's what helped me to get through it. Here's what helped me to have a good day one step at a time. And, and it really, it was fun. It was engaging. It was honest and real. And it allowed people in the room to open up and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's hard for me. And I've never spoken about it before. There's this one sister that was like, I've never said this to anyone but she's like, this is my life. And she talked about mood swings where you're, you have the highest low, highest highs and the lowest lows. And just every, everything was just, you know, top to bottom and, and having to regulate your emotions. And, and they talked about medication and how like some people don't want to use medication at all. They feel like, oh, I just want to do it the natural way. And I want God to be able to influence me and be able to, you know, do what he wants me to do. But the knowledge that we have and the, the medications that we have, those come from God too. And, and certainly they can be abused, but, but they can give you what you need to be able to, to have good mental health too. Um, but it was phenomenal. And Absolutely. I was so grateful for that. And, and I think that's what's lacking sometimes in our, in our lessons, in our culture, in our, just the way we present ourselves is that raw, honest Here's my struggles. Because we've talked about this. You know, we have been in a situation the last few years where we um, didn't, we, our lifestyle changed and some of our friends changed and perspectives have changed. And we've had conversations with people about the church and a lot of times they're very critical about the church or any church, any mainstream religion, any organized religion tends to have a bad rap uh, around in, in many, many circles. And I, I think part of that is people say they feel judged, right? And part of that is that, well, we, we are kind of trying to figure out, well, were my actions this week good or bad? So some of that might just be their own shame mm-hmm. that they're feeling. And they're assuming everybody else looks at them that same way, right? And I think the proper way to look at each other is that we're all broken. We all need help. That's why we're there. We're there to help each other, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they feel that there's a culture of judgment and shame. And in some, um, and I think some religions have a reputation for being more, more shame-based and, um, than others. And I'm not here to throw shade. I'm not here to throw names in. And I'm not here to get a pound of flesh from, from our church either. I just want to speak to our experience and how, how that has impacted us and shaped us. But as we've talked with these people, they always talk about the problem with the church is, and they say, you know, the, the, everybody judges you or the culture there is this. And it's like, okay, well, is that, a, is that a cultural problem or is that a doctrinal problem? Is it actually the church's fault or is that the people's fault, right? People are, and, not, people are not perfect and they don't, they don't handle situations perfect all the right, time. Right, right. It's inherent in the problem of being an imperfect person is you don't see the situation perfectly either. Right. Um, but I also, you know, and so then the conversation is, well, does the doctrine drive the culture? And a lot of times, yes, it does. And does the doctrine drive the narrative? And a lot of times it does. But I think what I've experienced in our church specifically and what I've seen as um, that stigma is um, I wonder 
I wonder if we could be the change we want to see in the world. You know, I wonder if that's really more up to us to change that culture than it's the church's fault, you know? And part of, you know, again, like you mentioned that lesson that you had last Sunday, you know, being honest, being vulnerable, talking about real things that can help stimulate other people to be able to, I can be honest too. Mm-hmm. I can share too. Like, how was that? How was your experience in that, that lesson? I guess I just asked you a leading question, which is bad, right? But anyways, I'm a rookie podcaster. We'll figure this out. But I mean, how was that? <laughs> Where people, you said people were sharing, they were sharing personal experiences. Do you think there was judgment in the room? How no, do you feel like that? There was nothing but love in that room. And that's what you're supposed to feel, right? The love. And it just the love made my heart so happy to, to just have a very loving space where people could be honest and vocal and real and think about their own lives. And, and you know, as people do that. Um, so the, the sister that was presenting the lesson, um, it sounds like she must have been vulnerable. Like she was, she was invited, invited that atmosphere by the way she presented it. Yeah. She brought that into it and was vulnerable. And I think a lot of times when we present a message for church or we're speaking or we're teaching, we we're very passionate about what we're teaching and we want to be, want to do a perfect job. But sometimes we get so caught up in teaching the assignment that we'd actually don't, we kind of forget the humanality of it all. And we end up, you know, another, another critique along the same lines of what I'm thinking is a lot of people that grow up in our church, um, their relationship with God is defined by checking boxes, yeah. you know? And in fact, uh, this was just an, an observation I had a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a youth speaker, a teenager, and she was speaking and, um, you know, she started tying, she ended her talk that way. You know, she's like, if we can do all the things that we need to do, get all the things done that we need to get done. I have faith that, you know, that was, that was her statement. Like I have faith that we will, you know, we will get there and be able to return and live with God again. Right. But she didn't speak to, and she bless her heart. She was so sincere. She did a great job. She was really nervous, you know, and, but she did a phenomenal job. She, her excellent, excellent delivery on her talk. I just thought her comment though, spoke to some of this culture where she didn't mention her relationship with God at all. It was about doing this and doing that. And because, you know, we're asked to do service. And so we do that, check that box or to prepare to to go to the temple. So we check that box, right? And we're asked not to drink. So we check that box. It had nothing to do with a relationship with God. Right. And sometimes, I mean, the reason we do those things is to help facilitate that relationship. But that is not the entirety of the relationship itself. That's just checking the boxes does not give you the foundation that you need to weather the hard storms. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think, okay, if I can answer, you know, the, the correct way to these questions, then I can say that I'm a good person. But that can also be used against you because if you can't answer those questions correctly, then are you a bad person? So then does that feed into the shame that you feel on your It'll own? Keep you stuck there. It'll keep you stuck, right? It's so important that your relationship with God is based on just that, your individual personal relationship with God. And a lot of times the cultures of the churches get in the way. And, you know, even Jordan Peterson, I thought he spoke masterfully to this. He said, you know, when you love somebody or you love somebody, they become valuable to you. And the more valuable somebody is to you, and the more you love them, the more you have a a desire to protect them or you have a duty to protect them. 
And he said in relation to the churches that there's too much, he fears that there's too much authoritarianism in the way the churches administer things. In fact, I wrote the quote down so I don't butcher it. Um, He said, I think there is too much of the moral authority still in the church and not enough of the love that helps people avoid the fire. You know, he's speaking to the religions wanting to, you know, they value their, their people that attend and they love them. So they want to protect them from the fires of hell. And the best way they know to do that is be authoritarian. But what really helps save people from the fires of hell is feeling the love of Christ. And if there's too much focus on the administration, the authoritarianism, the discipline, and not enough focus on the love, that person's going to get lost in that. And the love is what is important. So in being the change you want to see in the world, when you go to church, don't worry about it's easy to say, don't worry about the judgment. Don't worry about the, the haters, right? But be that change you want to see in the world. Be the one that spreads that love. Be the one that opens that door and you'll help somebody else share the love and liberate themselves to be able to do the same for others. And I think we could do a lot as individual members to change the cultures that we don't like in those situations. And we can help not be judgmental, right? We can help be real, honest, and vulnerable and share real things. That's one thing I always... One of my critiques was we never really talk about real stuff. We talk about the highlight reels. We talk about what the lesson's about. And we address the doctrine that we were supposed to teach. What does that mean to me today, tactically? Right. What does that really mean? Right. I don't know that we always, and it's not always. I'm like, so I'm not trying to throw shade here. Because I have heard very profound things in church. I have been very enriched. I have, my, you know, we were... For, for the first 40 years of my life, I was as, as Mormon as I could be, and I loved it, and it was great. It was beneficial to me. I had phenomenal things that came into my life because of that, um, and so um, not trying to th- throw shade at all, but just trying to speak to some of the cultural problems that we feel. Some of those are just what we feel. Some of those are real, and the ones that are real, we can do a lot to address and change those. One thing that's tough, though, and I think she, you said she felt as well, is being single and, and um, not in, in our church culture. It's rare that somebody over 25 is not married. We get married young. Yeah. And so because you don't, you know, and, and your, your sister even spoke to this, because she doesn't have a man on her arm, people treat her differently. And that's not good, guys. Yeah. It's- Stop doing that. <laughs> that's not good. You know, like the, the single mom that busts her butt to get her kids to church, she needs more love. She needs more respect. She doesn't need more judgment. She doesn't need less respect. And I think a lot of times people are just, again, they, they see it, they recognize it, they think the good things, but they're paralyzed by the analysis, right? They, they, and so they end up doing no good thing because well, they don't know the right thing to right, do. So right. we don't do anything. We've talked about that so much. Like, and it's, and it is so like in hard circumstances, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. Like so-and-so is dealing with like, well, I don't know. My friend was recently diagnosed with cancer. Like, what do I say? What do I say right. to her to give comfort and hope and peace? That was tough. I don't know what to say, but I, but I can hug her. Yeah. I can tell her I love her and I can, can offer to help in some way. Like, I don't know. You don't have to say things perfectly and, you know, 
know exactly what to do in every circumstance, but you can do something. Right. Do something. I love that. That is, that's beautiful, babe. Like that, that's the essence of it. Right. And then a lot of times too, I think sometimes that paralysis um, from analysis happens because I don't know, people subconsciously, do we think problems are contagious? You know, like um, in my situation, I went through my disciplinary council and I had 18 people in that room that I've known my whole life. Half of them were my age and half of them were my dad's or were my dad's age. And, um, but I've known, I've known all except three of them. Three of them were transplants, but all the rest of all 15 other people that were authoritatively disciplining me from the authoritarian arm of the church, because I was a bad guy. Um, I've known my whole life. It was a horrible experience. It was one of the coldest, hardest two hours of my life. It was horrible. It was void of anything positive. It was, it was not, <laughs> there was no love felt. And I'm not saying that's how it's always done. I'm just saying that was my personal experience. I have had other people say they felt their disciplinary counsels were the most loving, most Christ-like experience they've ever had. I didn't have that experience. And afterwards, it was, it was hard. It took six months for the first person to reach out to me. And some of these guys were buddies. Like, we go to dinner with, we would do stuff with, like, grew up with them, served together, all kinds of stuff. Send text messages, memes, funny stories all the time. All of a sudden, I go through this experience. I don't hear from anybody in that room for six months. And when my friend finally reached out to me, he says, you know, I'm so sorry it took me this long to reach out. That really was the scariest environment. That was one of our quotes. We'd say scariest environment imaginable, quoting um, Armageddon, the, the movie Armageddon. Okay, so the scariest environment imaginable. Thanks. That's all you got to say, scariest environment imaginable. And he was like, that really was one of the scariest environments imaginable. And I'm so sorry it took me this long to reach out. I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And he's like, I'm really sorry I failed. I failed you. And I appreciate the sincerity and, and the fact that he finally did reach out. But yeah, at a time when I needed, I had, I, I needed, I needed help. I needed love. I needed love. That's what I needed. I needed love and direction. I didn't need to be ghosted. And I don't think that was intentional on any of their parts. And I asked my therapist about this. I said, why, do, why does this happen? Why did these, these men that were my friends, and now they're like, these guys are the leaders of the church in that area. I mean, these are not dirtbags, right? Why did they ghost me? Why, how come I didn't hear from them anymore? Her answer was is that I probably reminded them of their own humanity to the point that it terrified them to think about it. Because really, two, two different decisions in any of those men's lives, and they could have been sitting in that chair and, and been going through the tribunal I was. And so I reminded them of their own humanity. And sometimes when we're reminded of our own weakness and humanity and our, our, the things about ourselves, the qualities that we don't like, when you, um, you know, if you have to speak to that or if you have to talk through that, it's hard. And so you end up doing nothing. And I think a lot of times, like, not only did I not know what to say, but it, it terrified me to think about it too. So then we say and do nothing. And then people, a lot of times that need the most help, don't get it. They don't feel that love. And I feel that is one of the problems with a lot of the, lot, a lot of the people I talk to that speak about their religions is they don't feel the love. They don't, they don't feel the love of Christ. And so again, I think we can do a big part to bring that back. We can be that change we want to see in the world. 
by loving. And sometimes the authoritarianism is the authoritarianism, but hopefully we can bring the love back. All right. Well, hey, babe, you see the kids are ready. They have a concert tonight. Right. Who's performing what? See, um, London's. London's playing the violin. She has a solo part. Mm-hmm. There she is. And, and Leighton also. Leighton's also has her string concert tonight, too. All right. So we got to wrap this up, guys. It's time to go be parents. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to share. And we hope you found value.